Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Especially if you're visiting, it's really good to have you with us. Or if you're new, see one or two new faces. Um, okay. I feel like um, God hasn't finished with us yet this morning. I hope you, you agree with me on that. Yep, Pauline does. Well done, Pauline. Um, in fact, what I'd like us to do is... Uh, If you've been here over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that I just feel like God's been here by his spirit in a in a particular way. In a God's always doing new things, isn't he? His mercies are new every morning. But um, there's been a particular sense of God with us wanting to encounter us, I think, again, freshly, just a fresh wind of his spirit. However you want to describe it, just grabbing hold of us again um, for his purposes, what he wants to do with us. So I'd love us to be kind of. Come with that in our minds, if you like, this morning. That we don't just rock up just because it's a Sunday, but <clears throat> that actually we're, we have that sense that God wants to meet with us, that actually he's doing something with us right now, that he didn't finish that last week. It wasn't just, you know, nicely packaged, but actually he's wooing us right now, I believe, and <clears throat> wanting to call us back to himself, wanting to uh, win our hearts afresh, I guess, get Get a hold of us again. And so with that in mind, I'd love us just to come to the word of God and come to a response to that with that attitude in our hearts of, yes, we want to work. We want to walk with you, God. We want to respond to you. We want to be open to what you want to do by your spirit. We're not just here because this is what we do on a Sunday morning. But actually, we want what you've got for us this morning right now. Each one of us. And that applies to everyone. Whatever, whatever mood you've come in this morning, whatever uh, place you're at, whatever your week's been like, God wants to meet with you. God wants to encounter you. He wants to walk with, go out from here with you, walk in with you, if you like, in, a, <clears throat> in greater measure than how you came in. He wants to lay his hand upon you this morning. And it's so easy for us to miss that. It's so easy for us to go through the motions, I believe. So what I'd like, if, if you're just saying, yeah, I want to be open to God this morning. I want to be filled with his spirit. I want to know what he's got to say to me. I do want to encounter him. I want to meet with him. I want to go deeper into his purposes for my life. I want to uh, feel the breath of God in my life, if you like. I'd, I'd love to invite you just to stand with me right now, just as, we, just as a, an attitude before God of saying, yeah, Lord, I, I, want, to, I want to do business with you today. Let's just lift our hands before him. Father God, we're here for you. Lord, we're not here because this is what we do on Sunday mornings and that is what fits in our diary, Lord. We're here because something has happened in our lives. The living God has done something with us, has broken in in some way, has spoken to us. And Lord, we we just say, Lord, we're, we're yours we're here for you this morning. We want to know what you want to do with us today. We want to be filled with your spirit. We want to encounter you. We want to hear your voice, Lord. We want uh, to go deeper into your purposes for us. So, Father, we just want to welcome you. We say, come by your spirit now. Come and fill us, Lord. Come afresh, Lord. Come and breathe on us freshly today. Lord, where we're stale, where we're distracted, Lord, where we're confused, Lord, where we're fearful, where we're uh, just full of the 
the stuff of life, Lord, we say, come and fill us afresh with your spirit. Come and breathe into our lives, Lord. We welcome you right now. Just welcome God. It's all because of you, Jesus. We look to you and we say, Lord, come and lead us to the Father. Holy Spirit, come and reveal Jesus to us. Jesus, come and show us the Father as you promised to do. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say we want to know you more. We say, Lord, our lives are bound up with you right now, Lord. And we want to know more of what that means. So we say, come by your spirit, Lord. Come and touch us this morning. Come and speak. Even now, Lord, I just pray, drop things into people's minds that need dealing with, that things you want to say, encouragements, Father, whatever it would be. Lord, we're your people. That's the thing that marks us out. We're the people of God. And so we want to say, God, come and uh, do what you want to do with us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please do sit down. Okay, we're, um, we are rounding off this morning the um, Sermon on the Mount. The last little section before we then go on to um, a, seri- a little series that you'll see the posters up around, as Colin mentioned, that will lead us up to Easter. But today we want to finish off in Matthew 7. I hope you found it a helpful series. But interestingly, as Jesus rounds up what he says in the Sermon on the Mount, it kind of comes back to the basics of what the Christian faith is all about, what walking with God is all about, and takes us right back to square one, which I think is very helpful for us with where God's got us right now. So, Lest we might think that the Sermon on the Mount is a whole nice set of ways to live, a good um, agenda of ethics for our lives, if you like, that will uh, cause us to live well. I think Jesus comes at the end of it and kind of smashes any idea that it might be that. Gets rid of any um, inclination that we might have within us to respond uh, in a religious way, to feel like we've got to do certain things to match up to the standards that... Uh, Jesus has set, this is how I want you to live. The sermon's been all about what does uh, it look like to be shaped by the gospel. But the danger is that that becomes in us a whole set of things that we need to do and ways that we need to please God. And I think that what Jesus does right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount right now is to say, no, 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 don't get confused with religion. Don't get confused with trying to find your way to God by uh, putting all these things in place in your life. Actually, we need to come right back to the basics of what is it actually uh, that is at the heart of the Christian faith. So let's read from Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. 
Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yes, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And Father, I just want to pray this morning that you would help me. I pray that you would uh, go right to the heart of the matter, Lord, that you would grip us, Lord, with the truth of who you are, of who we are, of, of Lord, what it means to walk with you as our God in life. Lord, go deep within us, we pray, by the power of your word, Lord, applied to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So what is the heart of the Christian faith? It's, it's basics, like I say, it's back to basics, but there's some challenging stuff in here. You see, the Bible says ultimately there are only two ways to, to do life. There are two roads. One leads to life, one leads to destruction. There are two foundations that you can build on. One holds firm, one does not. Where you start is of fundamental importance. It's the gate that you go through on the road is key. It's the foundation that you begin with in life, which is more important than anything that you build on top of it. And so fundamentally, it's where you are with Jesus, the Bible says, which is the heart of the matter. Where you are with Jesus, how you Encounter him, how you respond to him, which actually determines the course of your life, which determines the destination of your life. There's only two, two ways. One is through Jesus. One is not. There aren't lots of different options. So let's start with this picture of the two roads, verses 13 and 14. Such a helpful picture. You see, a road always takes you somewhere. And the Bible says that every one of us is on one of those roads. Whatever you think about where you are in life, about how your life is going, about what direction you're going in, you are heading somewhere. You are on one of these two roads. There are not lots of different options. There are not lots of roads, as the world would have us think, that lead to the same place. There is no such thing as neutrality. There are only two roads. One leads to life, one leads to destruction. You're on one of them, and it's important that you know which one you're on. Some will say, well, I don't have faith. I'm not really that kind of person. I I just uh, get on with life, live, live life based on facts and common sense. The reality, let me tell you, the reality, the Bible says, is that everyone has faith, actually. We all exercise faith all through life. We put our faith in all sorts of different things every day. 
when we, when we get on a bus or we get on a plane, we're exercising faith that we'll be safe, that the driver knows what he's doing. When we eat a meal out, we exercise faith that uh, the people in the kitchen wash their hands before they started preparing and all sorts of other things. When we get married, we exercise a huge amount of faith, don't we, with someone that at that point we may not know that well. All through life, faith is being exercised, isn't it? And the Bible says the most important thing that we need to exercise faith about is what is the destination of our lives. Are we going to go the narrow road? Are we going to go through the gate that is Jesus? Or are we going to go along the broad road that leads to destruction? We need to decide. The destination of your life is the most important thing on which to make a faith commitment one way or the other and then to base life on it. So it must at least be worth investigating very thoroughly. There are only two ways to do life. There's only two roads. And I believe there's an invitation to us even this morning to say, have you... Have you, set your, have you decided what road you're on? Don't be neutral. You've got to make a decision. You're heading somewhere right now. And there's an invitation from Jesus even this morning to say, yeah, I'm going to put my faith in him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to life. There's no other way. The Bible doesn't allow us to say that all sorts of ways lead to the same destination. And this brings us into a clash with our culture. It doesn't mean we have to be intolerant. But Jesus says, I am the way. There's only two roads. And I guess it's important to say at this point that the road Christ's road, the road to life, is a narrow road. The gate is small. Not many find this route, the Bible says. It's costly. It doesn't come naturally. You see, you can't be born into, this, into Christianity. You can't be born onto this road. There's a huge act of the will, a moment of decision, a moment of upheaval, of repentance, the Bible calls it, where we change from working in, walking in one direction to walking in a completely opposite direction, where we surrender to God and say, yeah, I'm going to go your way. It's a huge, uh, we, we don't walk naturally into that. There's a huge moment of upheaval. And in a way, an upheaval that goes on as every day we repent and say, yeah, I'm going to choose to walk this way. I heard a, a preacher liken the Christian walk to uh, someone who is living in uh, a country where the language is not their, their language of birth. Now, uh, there's a number of you in this room who can identify with that. The English and the, the language that is spoken in the place where you now live is not your natural language. And there's that sense where you've got to keep choosing to change your mind about the way that you're going to speak. So I was talking to Rob and Sabine the other day. We were Skyping them as we do regularly. And um, it's great for Sabine being in France. She's back in her 
native country. She speaks the language. She's at home. It's all easy and straightforward. But for Rob, it's a huge thing that he's trying to learn French and trying to uh, fit in. And he has to keep retraining his mind and thinking, no, I've got to speak French. It's not, what, it's, it's not what's naturally in me in that sense. And so when all the world around is going in a particular way, the broad road that actually doesn't lead to life, but that's what's being lived out all around us. And, we, and each day we're saying, no, I, I repent and I believe in you, Jesus. I reorder the way I'm thinking to walk down that narrow road. It's costly. You see, so often I think that we have that uh, approach to life where, uh, approach to the Christian faith where uh, we make a decision for Christ. It's a transaction, if you like. And then we think we can just add on that and carry on with the rest of life. But no, it's this massive upheaval of repentance that says, I was walking this way and now I'm walking that way. I can't just, you can't just add it into the rest of life. That's doing religion, adding in a bit of church, adding in a bit of serving, adding in a bit of being nice to people. Actually, it's a, a costly, narrow road that says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep changing my mind. I'm going to keep repenting and believing. I'm going to keep turning and putting my faith in Jesus and walking that way. I love the way that the message version puts this. Don't look for shortcuts to God, it says. The market's flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that could be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires total attention. Don't look for shortcuts to God. So we need to ask the question, what does authentic Christian life look like? What does it mean to walk with Jesus? What does it mean to walk down uh, this narrow road, if you like, with Christ? And I believe that from this uh, passage, there's three clear things that are the markers, if you like, of authentic Christian faith. And they're not necessarily all the things that we on the surface look for. Uh, when we're identifying is someone a Christian or not. But actually Jesus is saying, with all that he said on the Sermon on the Mount, all that he's described about the way to live out the gospel, actually what it comes down to fundamentally, the first thing is this, the lordship of Jesus. The authentic Christian is the person who does the will of the Father, who has surrendered their own will, who says, I'm not any longer doing the thing that I want to do. I'm not any longer going the way that. I'm not any longer the person. uh, I'm not any longer in the driving seat of my life in that way, if you like. I don't get to call the shots in life anymore. I've surrendered my own will to the Father's will. Only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. So the first characteristic is the lordship of Jesus, the person who does the will of the Father, who realizes that they don't get to decide in life anymore whether or not they get to whether or not they forgive someone, whether or not they get to tell that they tell the truth, whether or not 
Uh, They sleep with this person or that person. How they get to use their money or their time. How they treat other people, particularly people who are different. The person with the authentic Christian faith has realized they don't get to call the shots on that stuff anymore. Actually, their will has been surrendered to the will of the Father. Have you surrendered your will to God's? Have you realized you're not in the driving seat of life anymore? You can't just add Christianity on to the rest of life as it was already and nicely ticking along. So please note, you see, what the key issue here is not. There are lots of uh, superficial things, if you like, that we look, uh, that we think sometimes are the markers of Christianity. So Jesus gives examples of them here, doesn't he? So we might have the most orthodox doctrine. We might have all of our theology right. So there's the person who says, you see, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. The word here in the Greek is, is the word for God. It's the right word. They've understood who God, in their head, they've understood who God is. Their theology is all lined up. But that's not the key marker. They might, have in, they might be passionate. The key marker is not the intensity of our emotional involvement. In worship, we can be there Hands, hands in the air, passionate about God, apparently. So you see, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord. The fact that he says, that this person says, Lord, Lord, that in, in, that, in the Greek, in that language, that shows passion, that shows emotional involvement. But that's not the key marker of the Christian. It's not about the level of the activity of their service. You see, this person who comes to Jesus on the final day, they were, they were prophesying in his name. They were driving out demons. They were performing miracles. So they were, uh, they were teaching. If you, they were giving direction to people. They were turning people's lives around. Their service was exemplary. But, that, but Jesus says that's not the key marker here. That's not the most important thing. And don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not that these are not markers of a true Christian. In fact, if you're a Christian, you'll be doing all sorts of these things. But the presence of these things alone, of orthodox theology, of intense emotional involvement, of passion, of service, those things alone do not in themselves demonstrate that you're a Christian. The authentic Christian is the person who's not in control of their life anymore. They're not the master of their own lives. God is not added on alongside everything else while they stay in the driving seat. Amen? It's challenging, isn't it? It's not the stuff that we always look at. It's not the trappings. It's not religion. It's the opposite of religion. We put all these things in to try uh, to make our way to God, but... Christianity is the opposite of religion. It's God finding us. It's God by his grace coming to us. But it does involve surrender. It's the one who surrendered to the will of the Father. The second thing is this. What does authentic Christian faith look like? It looks like someone who wants to know God, who knows God, who's in relationship, active relationship with God. As I said before, so often we make it a transaction. We've made this decision at this point in our lives. We've got to that point. We decided that we believed. 
But no, fundamentally, it's a relationship. See, Jesus says, doesn't he, to this person who's saying, Lord, Lord, we did all these things. What does Jesus say to them? I never knew you. Here's the second key. Do you know Jesus? Fundamentally, it's about knowing him. It's not what, about, about what we do. It's not about what we add into life. It's not about how our lives look. Do we know Jesus? Are we in relationship with him? The desire of the authentic Christian is to know God, to pursue him. And as Kaz uh, said to us the other, the other week, there's the promise of, in Jeremiah 29 verse 13 that says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God is after those who will pursue him, who will go after him, who will seek him. And he says, if you will seek me with all your heart, then I will be found by you. I'll try not to re-preach your, your, um, your talk from the other day, Kaz. But, um, but this is so fundamental to us. And I believe this is where God wants us to be right now. It's what he's been doing with us over the, the last few weeks as he's winning our hearts again, wooing us, saying, I, want, I just want you. I want you. I want your hearts. I don't want the trappings. I don't want them going through the motions. Oh, those things are great. They follow on. But the most important thing is the, it's, it's, you and, it's you and Jesus. It's you and the Father. It's you and the Holy Spirit. It's you and God. Where's, where's that at? Do you know him? Because there's going to be those on the final day and he's going to say to them, but I never knew you. You did all these things, but I never knew you. How is it with you and God? We need to be captivated by God. We need to be captivated by this Father who loves us, by Jesus who died in our place, by the Spirit who fills us and awakens our hearts to God. We need to let God get a hold of us, and I believe that's what He wants to do in these days is to get a hold of our hearts again. Because that's the fundamental thing. We can talk about all these ways in which we ought to respond to God. There's been all sorts of things in the Sermon on the Mount. But fundamentally, he wants our hearts. He wants to know us. He wants to be known by us. He wants to involve, draw us into the relationship that he has uh, amongst the persons of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I've been rereading this week um, an amazing book, which everybody should read. Um, called The Good God by Michael Reeves. Amazing un- unpacking of what it means that God is a trinity. That actually relationship is at the very heart of who he is. That, uh, he was in re- that the Father was loving the Son through the Spirit before uh, creation ever came along, before we were ever thought of. Relationship is fundamentally who God is. And he creates and he wants us because he's a God of love and relationship before any of that. And actually wants to draw us into that. That's what Jesus was sent. That we might be by grace, by his mercy, drawn into this amazing, loving relationship that God already had throughout eternity. Amongst the persons. I mean, it blows your mind. but But God wants to draw us into that. It's an amazing thing. John 1 verse 18 says this. No one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So God the Father has been revealed to us. And Jesus, notice where Jesus is. Jesus is in closest relationship with the Father. Amen. Have you got that? Hold that thought a minute. 
Throughout eternity, Jesus is in closest relationship with the Father. And then jump on to Jesus' prayer in John 17, where Jesus says, Father, what does he want? What's he asking the Father for? Father, I want those you've given me, that's you and me, to be with me where I am. Where's that? In closest relationship with the Father, in the same way that Jesus is. In drawn right into God in his, in his love. That's, that's where he wants us. And that's why he wants to win us back constantly by his mercy to say, come, come into that. Come into the heart of this good, good God. Be loved by him, embraced by him. Fundamentally, this is what Christianity is. It's to be loved by God, to be drawn into the, into the very heart of God's love. Amen? It's difficult to get your head around, isn't it? But don't make it about lots of other things. Surrender of the will to God. He's in the driving seat. He gets to call the shots in life. And knowledge, knowing God, friendship drawn into the heart of God. One final thing. Authentic Christianity. Understanding grace. Understanding that we bring nothing to the table. This is the other marker. The person who's understood, they bring nothing. They don't contribute anything. You see, there's two houses. One's built on a rock, one's built on sand. One's built on the foundation that is Jesus, his death on the cross in our place, that we might be invited into this incredible relationship with God. The other one's built on sand. It has to, it has to hold it up, itself up. It has to be its own foundation. Are you with me? The things that are built have to hold the house up. The things that we do in life, if you're, on, if you're built on sand, then it's how you live life. It's got to hold itself up. It's got to justify itself. If you're built on Christ, your house might look exactly the same. You might be doing all the same stuff in life, but you recognize that's all because of him. You don't bring anything to the party. Your contribution is useless. Doesn't do anything. It's all down to him. But because of what Jesus has done, we're invited into this relationship with God. Right into the heart of God, who is love itself. But don't ever think we bring anything to it. Don't ever think that we're, that the way we live, the way we're building, the way our lives look, don't ever think that that is contributing one bit to our security, to our destiny, to our hope, to our future. It's all Jesus is doing. Amen? It's good, isn't it? And so you see, if when the troubles of life come along, if when difficult things come along in life, if there's a bit of you that's saying, but how can God put me in this situation with all that I've done? The way that I've responded to him, the way that I've served, the things that... If any, of, any bit of you is saying that, you haven't got a hold of grace. Because we bring nothing. God doesn't owe us anything. But he chose, the father chose to send the son. That by dying, by taking our place, we might be welcomed in to relationship with him. Surrender to him. Knowing God. Getting grace. We don't bring anything to the table.
The authentic Christian says, God, I know I fail again and again. I know I grow warm and cold. I know I mess up. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. And I'd, I'd love us to respond to him now. Guys in the band, would, you, um, would that be okay if you came back? It's not complicated. We make it complicated so often, I think. And so often God has to take us back to the basics, which is, I believe, what Jesus is doing here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, look, I just want your hearts. I want surrendered hearts. I want, I want you. And I believe that's where God's got us again right now. In the prayer meeting before, uh, just... A, just the sense that we had, a couple of different things that were brought, the sense that we had was that, um, it was that picture of Mary at the feet of Jesus. That, and she just wants us to come and be in his presence and allow him to love us. And let that relationship be kindled afresh. Let it grow deeper. Let him reveal to us afresh how much he loves us. I'd love us to respond. Let, let's, can, can we just close our eyes where we are? It may be this morning that you've never actually made that decision that it's Jesus' way that you want to go. You may never have got to that point of saying, yes, Jesus, I believe that you died in my place. Actually, I believe that you are the road to life. That there is no other way. And so I surrender to you. And it may be that this morning is your morning to say that. To say to Jesus, I surrender to you. I believe that you've died in my place. That I might have relationship with God. And might be on the path to life rather than destruction. If you're at that point of decision this morning, don't miss this opportunity to say, yep, Jesus, I'm putting my life in your hands. I'm surrendering to you. I believe in you. I repent of having lived in a different way where I was in charge of life. It may well be that there are people here this morning who need to make that step. And in a moment, I'd love you to respond and then afterwards to talk to somebody about that and get them to pray with you. That may be you. You may be finding that the Christian walk is costly, that you're having to do that changing of your mind and saying, no, I've got to, I realize that Jesus' call is that I turn the way I'm walking. I need to walk this way. I need to change something in life. That I need to surrender my will to Christ in a particular area. He may be speaking to you right now about a particular area in life where you need to surrender your will to Jesus and actually say, no, God, I realize you, this relationship with me, you means that you are in the driving seat and there's an area of life where you are not in the driving seat right now. And I need to surrender that to you. That may be you. It may be that you're saying, yeah, God, I understand that you're, you're knocking on my heart in that sense. You're, you're wooing me. You're, you're wanting to win me into a deeper relationship with you. You're wanting to awaken my heart again with love for you and to draw me 
back into that relationship, into a deeper relationship with you, that may be you this morning. You may realize that you, you haven't had as much of a grip on the grace of God as, uh, as you thought you had, that actually you've been trying to please God. And that is a really difficult place to be. And you need to just come this morning and say, God, I recognize I can't do it. I'm not going to make it. But actually, you've done it all. And so I just receive your grace this morning. If any of those things apply to you this morning, then I believe God would would just want to beckon us. I'd love to invite you to stand right now if any of those things apply to you.